WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Always live on the free Odyssey app. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Live and local from Philadelphia. Free speech lives here. Here. It's Kale and Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Live on this Thursday, November 30th, the final day of November. It is indeed Kale and Company, right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We are always live on the free Odyssey app, and of course, streaming live for your video viewing pleasure on YouTube as we head until 10 o'clock this morning. 855-839-1210, the phone number, Twitter, Instagram, at 1210WPHT. I am at Nick Kale, K-A-Y-A-L, Don Stenzlin with the news, Greg Stocker, the chairman of the board, Anthony Dorenzo, Phil Omquist, the associate producers, loaded show today, debate night in America, kind of, sort of, <laughs> and our buddy Sean Farage will join us at Woo! 9 o'clock this yeah. morning, all sorts of new Trump material, the great Trump impressionist, Don, good morning, how are you? Good Thursday morning. Can't believe December's almost here. Stalker. Yeah, today's the last day of November. Man. Maybe fifty something degrees though today. So. I'll take it. It's gonna feel like a heat wave, you yeah. guys. It's yeah. Great. Can't wait. Nice hot day for November after another nice uh, hot ratings book for November for this program. Uh-oh. Congratulations. Not our style to brag. Wow, actually wow. it's no longer news. You know what it, it would actually oh, be go. it would actually uh, be news if we dropped the ball and showed some like human element to us but we're just like mutants we're like robots we just keep cranking <laughs> it out we are the mutants no it was correct. it's a great X-Men. it was great everybody did it's amazing everybody's doing a great job that's good stuff from all of this all of the listeners that we have with this audience because without you um well, I know, I know, I'd be flipping burgers or something right now. So, yeah, unlike Elon Musk, we need advertisers. So, thank you to all the advertisers <laughs> and the people that support us. I swear, Hi, Bob. we can't just say we can't just say f you to the advertisers like billionaires can. So, I know everybody today. I'm sorry, I don't mean to start no, a rant no. at six o two in the morning, but I know everybody is. Yeah, Elon Musk. Yeah. Well, you know what? Sometimes. Th- that's not how business works sometimes. Right. So you can do that if you can afford to lose twenty two billion dollars on a purchase. Yeah, you probably can afford to tell advertisers to go f off. But most of us don't fall in that boat, right? Ninety nine point nine percent of <laughs> people don't fall in that boat. So the moment. Well, come on. When he said that, I know you're gonna play it. Late, but you just look at that and go, "Wow, the I would se- love that." The second time was even better. Yes. Well, then he reiterated it. <laughs> I texted, uh, I texted uh, Phil and Anthony last. I'm like, I need that on the board, stat. <laughs> Just make sure you censor out Beep. the F word. Yeah. All right, so we got a big take this morning on free speech versus hate speech in the arena of female sports when it comes to this uh, trans invasion of their space. You'll hear from both Piers Morgan and Riley Gaines this morning. Uh, also, it is debate night in America. Gavin Newsom, Ron DeSantis, Wall Street Journal, an unbelievable breakdown of the scorecard of every metric from employment to personal income to relocation to energy costs, student learning, on down the list, comparing these two governors and how they govern their said states. We'll break that down. Uh, also, the L.A. Times admits that Ron DeSantis handled COVID better than Gavin Newsom. Woo-hoo. That's the L.A. Times saying that. So we'll get to that this morning. Cut sheet, all sorts of good stuff. 
Our buddy Sean Farage at 9 o'clock. And right now, let's get to the news. Round number one, 604, the great Dawn Stensland. And good morning. We are sponsored, I'll tell you when the heat wave, so-called, is coming. We are sponsored this morning by United Tire. So a Kale & Company news follow-up, and this is a sad one. We had told you yesterday that there was a murder in the suburbs. This is Lower Pottsgrove Township, Pennsylvania. We knew that an 85-year-old woman in Montgomery County uh, was found. She had been killed. They knew that somebody was in custody in the community they felt was not in danger. They released that for us. Now we're getting these new details. This is a 84-year-old man, the woman's husband, charged with first-degree murder in the death of his own wife. So the DA's office speaking out, saying that the suspect, the man accused and who, who they've charged, actually called 911 yesterday afternoon to report that his wife of many years was, quote, unresponsive. So when officers arrived there, they found uh, Barton Seltman, the man, on his rear porch of the home there on the 1900 block of North Kime Street with blood all over his body, his hands, his face, his clothing. And then inside, they made that, that discovery of the gentleman's wife, Margaret Seltman, Mrs. Seltman. So the investigators releasing this information yesterday saying this couple had gotten into a heated argument about money for the veterinary care of their cat. And that's when this fight turned horribly physical. And so according to police, uh, Mr. Seltman told the officers his wife had grabbed a knife, threatened to kill him. He used a chair to push her down. And then he had told officers, according to the reports here, that uh, he then no longer saw a knife in his wife's hand, continued to strike her in the head with his fist, a candle holder, while she was actually on the ground. The place looked like, you know, there had been a brawl there in the house. But ultimately, you know, many speaking out, when we think about the economy, A, also we talked just the other day about the fact that during this time of year, stress levels going up, domestic violence going up, and uh, this is just a tragic situation. This couple have been married more than 30 years, and so a a real tragedy there in the suburbs. But now this man, you know, obviously this is a first-degree murder case, and uh, just a real tragedy for the neighbors speaking out, just shocked over this. And you said these are uh, both of these individuals were in, were in their 80s? Mid-80s, yes. Fighting over a, a cat's veterinary bill, essentially? The, yeah, vet bills Jeez. are... I'm guessing it's probably like, hey, it's going to cost X amount of dollars to keep the cat alive. W- one spouse said nope, and the yeah. other spouse said yes. Yeah, I think the husband probably said Fluffy has to go. Yeah. yeah. So... So we have, you know, it's a, just a tragic story for these, uh, and for the officers too, you could tell. Sure. Uh, we do have more just this morning. The breaking news with regard to Israel, Israel and Hamas is that at that last hour, they had agreed, agreed to extend this ceasefire, releasing more hostages. And we also have news among the 16 latest hostages, the latest batch, if you will, those hostages released from Gaza, among them an Israeli-American woman with ties to Philadelphia, in fact. So I know that uh, President Joe Biden was speaking out about this as it, she is a Israeli-American citizen with ties to this area, and her name is Liat Bainin Atzili. She's 49 years old. She was one of the 16 hostages released from Gaza, and this was yesterday. She's safe in Egypt, 
and has spoken to her parents, family in this area. So we're covering this story, but great news, in fact, for the family, with the exception, of course, that uh, her husband was taken hostage also during the, you know, that terror that happened on October 7th. And so her husband remains in captivity. This marks the sixth day of this so-called truce between Israel and Hamas in Gaza. There talks ongoing in hopes to um, release more hostages, but they've released more. They've released mostly the women and children. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, you have mostly men or or teenage boys. That's got to be horrific. If you and your spouse get kidnapped, you get released, and you're home for the holidays, and your uh, your significant other is still over there. That's got to be just torture. Yeah, that's it's well put. I, you know, we're, we're hearing more of these stories, Nick. I mean, the story about the little redheaded children, the ten-month-old ten baby. Yeah, uh, that one has obviously that has emerged that the ten-month-old, four-year-old brother, and the mommy they were killed. That one is is circulating, and also the story of when a man and woman, a husband and wife, and their toddler, uh, about three years old were being on October 7th they were their car was being surrounded by the terrorists mm-hmm. and the mom hands the 3-year-old to dad and says run you can run faster yep basically she's the decoy i mean it just man these stories just just get you and yeah, awful oh jeez uh we do have a, a couple of other stories and i know we'll talk about the fact that Henry Kissinger dies at 100. Of course, many revered him, many reviled him. I know we'll talk about that one this morning. And then since we were talking about pets, and yesterday you had talked about that mystery China illness Mm -hmm. that was striking humans, like a pneumonia-like situation. Well, now Pennsylvania dog owners, they are being told by veterinarians to to beware of this. There's this mysterious illness that is continuing to spread, killing a lot of dogs. And so it's a respiratory illness and so they're just uh, spreading the word here that maybe avoid the dog park literally at this point. Yeah. It's like a it's like a kennel cough, right? It's it's a very severe form of kennel cough. You're yeah. exactly right. It's canine covid. Yeah, <laughs> canine covid. <laughs> you see you see dogs in N95 oh. masks. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, I got to wear my mask. Make sure buddy gets vaxxed. Yeah, well, well he'll do anything for chicken. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, so will I. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, buddy and Nick. <laughs> oh, this is cute. Well, we have we are sponsored by United Tire this morning. We love our Philly, our Philly sports teams, of course, even though Sixers lost to the Pelicans last night. We need Joel Embiid. I know. I know. I looked at the standings last night. Boston's like 14 and, yeah. 14 and 4. I'm like, mm-hmm. we are always staring up at that franchise. It's true. It's God. absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, but United Tire, thank you for sponsoring our, our news and weather this morning. We love our Philly sports team as just as much as they love us, cheering them on. Same goes for the great team over at United Tire. Owners make customer satisfaction their top priority, working with you to get you back on the road faster. So when it comes to car service, you can trust United Tire. Right now we're at 30 degrees in the forecast. Yes, it's chilly, but we are warming up to 51 degrees, and this warm-up trend will continue big time. We also will have an update moving forward about the police search for that car thief who stole a gray Nissan Altima, but thankfully the car they stole with the one-year-old little girl found, uh, she has been found. She was in the back of that from Delaware. So thank God the one-year-old girl is back home with family this morning. Kill and Company News Live. All right, Dawn, thank you very much. 612 Thursday morning. Let's get to another big take. The Big Take. 
on Kale and Company. All right, the big take this morning. Free speech and hate speech under the scope of protecting women's sports. The battle between common sense and mental health breakdowns is heating up biological fact opposed by feelings and confusion, telling women to take a backseat to males who wish they were females. If you thought Riley Gaines and those in support of ladies' sports were going to quietly ride off into the sunset well guess again a house oversight subcommittee will be hosting ncaa swimming champion riley Gaines and other women leaders in a hearing next week house oversight subcommittee on health chairwoman lisa mclean a republican from michigan announced on tuesday that Gaines, heritage foundation senior legal fellow sarah partial perry and former oberlin college head women's lacrosse coach kim russell will be attending next week's hearing titled The Importance of Protecting Female Athletics and Title IX. The hearing is set for Tuesday, December 5th at 2 p.m., and it will delve into the Biden administration's proposed rules changes to Title IX to expand the definition of sexual discrimination to include gender identity. And therein lies the angle that I want to focus in on today with this ongoing saga. We've discussed the biological differences and the absurdity of men competing against women But let's zero in on the Biden administration's efforts to expand Title IX and sexual discrimination, including gender identity. So let me get this right. Riley Gaines, or my daughters, or any girls out there, are discriminating against a boy if he thinks he's a girl and he wants to come into a women's locker room and compete in women's athletics and, oh, by the way, dominate the competition. That's discrimination. No, it's it's unfair And it's setting back the women's movement and centuries worth of progress, all in the name of inclusiveness. The left loves to alter the rules. Riley Gaines had Piers Morgan on her podcast to discuss the invasion and what females should do. And Piers Morgan mentions the B word. Listen and watch. And I actually think right now, every female competitor in women's sport in the world should just refuse to compete against trans athletes, not because they're transphobic, because they want to protect women's rights to fairness. And if they all did that one day, this ends. I 100% agree. And I didn't agree for the longest time. I, I thought women shouldn't have to boycott, but I have I can proudly say I've changed my mind on that. That is no. what it's going to take. Uh, that's what we need to see. Um, and you're right, courage is contagious. I certainly believe that. Uh, But so is hopelessness. And so I think if we remain hopeless, like we're seeing so many women, so many people do, uh, that's just as contagious. Yes. Boycott. It's the one thing to do if you are a conservative fighting back against this left wing madness. And it's one thing to boycott Bud Light or Target. But it's even more appropriate and righteous, in my opinion, to boycott men taking women's places in athletic competition. And when you speak up about it, it's no longer free speech. It's been labeled hate speech. The trans community will immediately claim they are under attack when parents or females speak out against this intrusion. You're labeled transphobic and you're now exercising hate speech, which has nothing to do with the First Amendment and free speech, so they claim. So what gives with the double standard? Is it free speech or is it hate speech? Piers Morgan answered that question in part two with Riley Gaines and used other examples of chaos going on throughout the world. Listen and watch this. People are wrestling with what free speech actually means and how to police free speech. And what is the difference between free speech and hate speech? Take, for example, the pro-Palestinian marches in London. In this country, 
Hamas is a prescribed terror organization. Therefore, it is illegal to publicly support them in the streets. And many people would agree with that. They would say, look, this is a terror group. If you're out there promoting terrorism, that's not free speech. That is advocating and actively promoting hate speech. And so people can be arrested for that. But what do you do, for example, if there's 150,000 people, as there have been on some of these marches, and they have a banner saying from the river to the sea? Some people, many people on the Jewish side, Israeli side, would say that means the eradication of Israel. Others on the Palestinian side, that's not what it means at all. And you've seen actually United States members of Congress actually saying that's not what it means. So when there is a debate about the meaning of slogans and so on, how do you determine what is free speech and what is hate speech? Quite complex issues. But what has definitely been noticeable to me is that you see someone like Tommy Robinson. I have no truck with him. I think he's a pretty loathsome individual. Uh, But he's allowed to protest in the street. From what I could see yesterday, he wasn't wanted the anti-Semitism march, but he's perfectly entitled to be there in a free democratic country. And I'm not sure from what I've seen what he was doing that justified the very heavy-handed police reaction. And then it comes down to, well, if he's going to be arrested just for being at a march like that, and he was saying he was there to to support the anti-Semitism march, then what about those on the pro-Palestinian side? Why is there a double standard and hypocrisy? And I think it's that that you're seeing around the world, America, the UK, Ireland and others. It's almost like there's a a, a two-tier system for how you police, whether it's a Black Lives Matter march or a pro-Palestinian march or a far-right march or whatever. And I think there has to be some consistency. And I think that's what people are crying out for. Mm, he's insinuating there's a two-tier system when it comes to protests and free speech versus hate speech. Where have we heard two-tiered system before? You know, the proposed Title IX rules change would mean that a school or college could not ban transgender athletes from competing. Lisa McLean, the Republican of Michigan from the House Oversight Committee, told Fox News that, quote, Congress must do everything it can to protect women's sports. The Biden administration is putting women's safety, privacy, and opportunities at risk by dismantling Title IX. And you should always be allowed to speak up, whether you're a male or a female, when it comes to something legislatively that has been created for your benefit. Benefit, McLean goes on to say. She also goes on to say, quote, we look forward to hearing from Riley Gaines and other witnesses firsthand about how these rules changes harm fairness and protection for women in women's sports across the country. The rewrite of Title IX is an abomination. It's equating sex to gender identity, which means men would live in dorm rooms with women, Riley Gaines would say, during a June 21st Senate Judiciary Committee hearing, quote, Men would have full access to bathrooms, changing areas, locker rooms. Men could join sororities, which we're seeing happening. It's happening at the University of Wyoming. Men can take academic and athletic scholarships away from women. End quote. That is Riley Gaines. Meanwhile, in another story in the state of Florida, a high school principal and other top officials have been reassigned for allegedly allowing a trans student to play on the girls' volleyball team, which is a violation of Florida Law. Monarch High School Principal James Cecil, Assistant Principal Kenneth May, Athletic Director Dion Hester, and Volleyball Coach Jessica Morton were moved to non-school sites on Monday. That according to News 7 in Miami. Now, if you recall, in June of 2021, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed Bill SB 1028, also known as the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, which bars biological males from participating in female sports. The law does not prevent athletes that were born female 
from playing on boys' or men's teams, however. Sadly, until every state follows through with a bill like Florida has done under Ron DeSantis, this will continue to happen. That is, of course, unless all females take a stand and boycott playing sports against men. And this nonsense will end once and for all. It's interesting, right? We live in an era of activism and advocacy in colleges and in high schools. Yet where is the massive activism and advocacy for protecting female sports? And when will women set aside the fear of cancellation and being labeled a transphobe and saying enough is enough? Are you willing to erase a century of strides with your silence? I hope not. Because it's not hate speech. After all, it's free speech. And that's The Big Take. The Big Take on Kale & Company. Uh, big Take this morning. If you want to jump in with thoughts and reactions, 855-839-1210 is the phone number. At 1210WPHT on Twitter and Instagram. Or, of course, you can be a part of the Kale & Company comment community on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com slash at 1210WPHT. Hit the like and subscribe buttons and join the conversation today. Coming up next, we'll get some thoughts as to what we discussed in the Big Take. And then it's DeSantum. Uh, it's DeSantum. <laughs> DeSantis v. Newsom. We've got the scorecard courtesy of the Wall Street Journal and also a stunning admission from the L.A. Times as DeSantis and Newsom get set to square off tonight at 9 o'clock Eastern on Fox News in a debate, Red State versus Blue State, with Sean Hannity. We'll break that down when we come back. Kale and Company, Nick, Don, and Greg live on a Thursday on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel in partnership with Valley Forge Casino. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. I know uh, the Eagles are the underdog on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers. I made the mistake of taking the 49ers last time. I'm not going to make that mistake again. I'm going to take the Eagles with the money line at plus 128. All you have to do is place a $5 bet on that, and you, and you can get $150 in bonus bets when the Eagles win. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. I love the FanDuel app. It's so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. Go to FanDuel.com slash Greg. FanDuel.com slash Greg. Sign up right now. Phantom Sportsbook is the official partner of 1210 WPHD and the NFL. 21 and over. President PA, first online real money wager, only $5 pregame money line wager required. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is not withdrawable. Bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms of sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the Kale & Company Podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and on the free Odyssey app. Thursday morning. Hopefully all of you off to a great start. Nick, Don, and Greg here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Get us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us live on YouTube. Cut sheet 745. Our buddy Sean Farage, the great Trump impersonator. He's got some new impressions. He'll join us coming up. At 9 o'clock this morning, one of the questions that I'm going to ask the former president of the United States is whether or not he will sit down tonight at Mar-a-Lago to watch DeSantis v. Newsom on Fox News at 9 o'clock as he takes on Sean Hannity as Fox has been kind of 
portraying it and billing this to be the great blue state versus red state debate. Kind of interesting. And I, you know, initially it's like, all right, well, what are some of the motives, right? Because is this a, for Gavin Newsom? Is this just the warm up for his debate against Donald Trump next October when the Democrats usher Joe out and Gavin comes sliding on in? Is this career suicide for Ron DeSantis? He's already polling terribly against Trump in 2024. What happens if he has an off night or a bad night against Gavin Newsom? And then is this the actual preview of what we're going to get in 2028? Or could this somehow, some way be the preview of 2024? And I'll be interested to see how the ratings come for this. Because the ratings have gone down in each of the three Republican primary debates from the first to the second to the third. I think they went from like 12 million to the 9 million to 3 million. I'm wondering if DeSantis and Newsom can actually outrate the last debate that we had on television, which was now what, four or five weeks ago? So that'll be interesting. But I want to lay this out for everybody. The Wall Street Journal did a really great breakdown, a scorecard, a tale of the tape, so to speak between Gavin Newsom and Ron DeSantis. And it's very easy to digest. They hit you with about 11 or 12 different categories, and then they showed how each governor fared in those respective categories. Now, those categories are, and I feel like Alex Trebek here on on Jeopardy, (laughs) employment, unemployment, business formation, personal income, population migration, energy prices, taxes and spending, pensions, Medicaid, homelessness, the deficit, and student learning. And in every single category, with every metric, Ron DeSantis absolutely crushed Gavin Newsom. We'll get to those in a moment, but I want to gauge people's thoughts on where they're at with this debate tonight. If this is remotely worth watching, if this is a complete snooze fest, because I think Ron DeSantis, despite having all the policy victories and all the measurables in his favor, also has the potential for two microphone drop moments tonight. If if things go awry, or if Newsom has a, aha, gotcha moment, DeSantis has two aces up his sleeve, and I think these will hit home And if you're waiting for this guy to show some charisma and personality, I think these two opportunities will present that for him tonight. So the first one, I think, is if Ron DeSantis needs to go there. In fact, I don't even know if you need to go there, but I would just go there anyway. I would say how Gavin Newsom's in-laws left California and relocated to his state. Like, your wife's parents left your state for my state. What does that say about your state? That would be the first one. And then the second one would be the rules for thee and not for me. Remember when this, um, Newsom got busted in a in an L.A. restaurant? Yes. French laundry. Sh- yeah, yes. schmoozing with no mask on as everybody else had to be wearing masks and taking vaccination cards into restaurants. Those are some moments that you don't live down, I think. Yeah, I, I don't know. I understand what you're saying. We'll we'll obviously watch it here because it's our jobs. Yeah. If it wasn't my job, would I watch it? There's you're not feeling it. Huh? Zero chance I would watch it. Okay. Um, and I stand by the fact that this is not a personal opinion on which one I like better. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying from a debate standpoint, Gavin Newsom is going to be prepared and he's going to carve him up. You think so? I I 100 percent think so. Okay. Now he's, he's going to be prepared for all of those, all of those, you know, quote unquote, Mike drop moments that you said from 
mm-hmm. um, DeSantis, he's okay. going to be prepared for him. So here's the question. So he's going to have some sort of rebuttal. How do you have a rebuttal to any of these metrics that I'm about to give you? Uh, you Look, Don, Greg, jump in at any point. I don't want to keep rambling on with all these stats. I don't want people's eyes to glaze over. Uh, so employment. Since January 2019, employment has increased in Florida by over a million jobs, while declining in California by 85,000 jobs. That's the first one. Florida's population is 22.2 million and rising. California's is 39 million and falling. Again, these stats courtesy of the Wall Street Journal. Unemployment in California, the jobless rate is 4.8%, which is the second highest in the entire country, and nearly twice as high as Florida's, which is 2.8%. Business formation. Florida has received 2.7 million new business applications since January of 2019, which is one for every eight residents, compared to 2.3 million for California, or one for every 18 residents. Personal income. Business and worker earnings have increased by an annual compounded rate of 7.7% in Florida, while compared to California at 5.1%. Population migration between July of 19 and July of 2022, the latest uh, available Census Bureau data, 1 million Californians left for other states, while 737,000 have moved to the state of Florida. Now you get to some of the more kitchen table issues. Energy prices. Electricity prices are twice as high in California as they are in Florida. Uh, the average cost of gas is 70 cents more per gallon in California than it is Florida. Yeah, I, I, I'll keep going, but go ahead. I understand, I understand all of this. The mm-hmm. facts are the facts. I'm just saying that he's going to have some sort of rebuttal for all of this. Okay. He may, but I will say this, too. And nobody's going to take the time to read and look up what you just did. I'm sorry. Of course not. No, but I think there's, you know, there, there's an old saying, even even with um, any kind of debate like this, mm-hmm. think about the fact that Ron DeSantis essentially, think of lifting weights. Think of working out like we do every day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. 30 hours a week or whatever, you know, when we're talking and we're we're into it and we're in the issues and we're debating and so on and so forth. It's like lifting weights every day. DeSantis has been on the campaign trail now. He's been doing not only debates, but town halls. He's on the stump, at, you know, 24-7. And so he's somebody who is, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is is more in touch now. Yes, all the facts that you're stating are on his side. Mm-hmm. But as well, he's somebody who is out there every day dealing with these issues. So for DeSantis, to me personally, this is an opportunity for him. He, I think he has the most to gain and the most to lose in the sense. I would agree. Right? That yeah. This could be a game changer. If DeSantis just, it's a KO, it's mm-hmm. a knockout punch, right. and he just, boom, boom, he hits him with the policy stuff, and he also says, like, I'm out there, not just in Florida, across the country, mm-hmm. you're out of touch, this and that, the other. If he delivers that KO punch, yeah. then it could potentially be a game changer for mm-hmm. DeSantis in the presidential race. Yeah, and I also think we have to really, and I, I want to give DeSantis a fair shake here, because... Look, has his campaign as president been a disappointment? Yes. But 
I don't know where the notion has come from that he's bad in debates. DeSantis is not a bad debater. Harvard debate team. I mean, he's loud. Nope. He's loud. No, he's combative. Nobody said he's bad in debates. He's no, no. awkward in debates. Look at yeah. look. You, he is awkward. Yes. You just posted a meme the other day of yes. him where he has that awkward smile. Yeah. He's awkward in debates. He's got like he's a not, poop-eating grin. Anthony, you're <laughs> fired. Like, that's not... Yeah. Uh, Gavin Newsom will, will carve that up. I agree. He will. I'm just saying. Yeah, the, look, the, the, and that's why he has to play on it. DeSantis has to say, look, I know I'm I'm awkward. I'm a guy. You know, I served in the know. I served in the Navy. I served mm-hmm. in the US military. I'm not I'm not slick and pretty like you. Right. He needs to to point out the fact that he's the, the guy who got the job done. Right. And Gavin Newsom is, you know, showing up in China mm-hmm. for the photo op and yep. then fumbles with the kid. That was a bizarre moment too. I would definitely bring that up. Can't even play mm-hmm. basketball with a kid. No. You know, because he's got to be the star and show off. Yeah. I, I, I think we have to separate flair, style, and substance. Flair and style versus awkwardness yes. and substance. Absolutely. Newsom's got all the stuff that you look or, uh, from the, the visual, whereas DeSantis can be a little awkward. He's got a weird grin. His laugh makes you uncomfortable. But what he says, what he, what he puts in the play is, is a winning formula. Yeah, but that's, that's what I was saying. DeSantis... Right has to point that out. He needs to be a little self-deprecating about it. And DeSantis is the one that needs to point that out. But DeSantis I don't think he will ever do that. I don't think he will ever if say that. If he did, I think, I just think DeSantis, look, if he gets, if he loses this, if he's like Greg says and he just looks awkward and mm-hmm. he's done. Yeah. I know. And that's, and that's why Which is I what asked. Sean Hannity wants, by the way. Sean Hannity knows mm-hmm. exactly yep. what he's doing. Sean Hannity knows exactly what he's yep. doing. He, he is knows. trying to play a little bit more favorable he's, to the left here, look, isn't he? Look, he's buddy buddy with uh, Newsom. He is. Don't don't let this but whole he's buddy, thing. He's but wait, he's buddy buddy with Trump. Exactly. He's using Newsom to wipe yes, out I'm, and yes, and Trump yes. is also friendly with Newsom as well, yes. which is a facet. So it's in a weird way you kind of have like Trump, Hannity, and Newsom kind of in this little triangle, and then over there on the right is. You know, what you would think should be Fox's guy, Hannity's guy, DeSantis. And DeSantis is kind of like on an island by himself in a weird way, if you think about it. Because initially you're like, oh, okay, it's Fox News, it's Sean Hannity. It's a home game for DeSantis, right? (laughs) It doesn't feel like a home game, though. It feels like the road team's got a lot of fans showing up tonight. And maybe the biggest fan of all is the moderator and Sean Hannity. Yeah, you guys are looking at this, in my opinion, you guys are looking at this as, you know, from, you know, DeSantis has the facts on his side. Okay, I'm sure he does. But it, it, people aren't going to sit there and take the time and look up facts. Right. They're they're going to do they're going to look at style, they're going to look at substance, and they're going to look at who gets the upper hand yep. no matter what the truth is. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that you know, nobody's really seen DeSantis uh, um, Newsom do these debates. He's really, really good at it. Yep. Really good at it. Yep. And for, from everything that I've seen from Ron DeSantis, and we've done, pointed out, he's he's done this four times now. Mm-hmm. He's not impressed me with at these no. debates, and he's debating people that are that are like like minded, right? And not he, not people against him. He also was in a different format, Greg. And that's another point of this, that mm-hmm. he, he has never, we haven't seen DeSantis one-on-one with somebody in this kind of a format. Yeah. Part of what made DeSantis so uncomfortable, and I talked about that yesterday with the bizarre, like, 1990s, you know, here's Ron Burgundy doing the news. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it has been a bizarre, 
awkward format. Yep. I think DeSantis will be more comfortable in this, and I think that he's he's going to be ready for this, but it's do or die for DeSantis. It really is. This is this could be it for him yeah. tonight. Yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, somebody, Sam, I think, on the YouTube chat said, this debate means nothing. It's absolutely true. It's this, true. It's an exhibition. This, this debate means absolutely nothing. Yes. And I I said at the start, if this if it wasn't my job to discuss this, and 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 watch this stuff. I I would have zero interest this, in seeing. This you know, this tonight. this feels like to me. This feels like in the beginning of Rocky Four when Apollo fights the Russian in the <laughs> exhibition, and it was supposed to be a friendly exhibition. It really wasn't supposed to mean anything. But Drago killed Apollo Creed. <laughs> he did. I mean, Gavin Newsom or DeSantis, one of them could kill the other one tonight in what is supposed to be an exhibition that really means nothing. But you may say it means nothing. However, however. If DeSantis, like I say, does something amazing and he yeah. goes viral with some viral moments, for example, yeah. then it means something because it revives him as the number two against Trump. Yeah. And then that means the fundraising goes up yeah. and he goes up in the polls. He gains momentum for sure. Um, last stat I just wanted to point out, the homelessness factor. The federal government counted 171,521 homeless in California last year. Florida only had 25,959 in their state. By the way, on uh, the YouTube chat, there was a uh, there was a poll that the boys in the back put up. Will you watch the DeSantis v. Newsom debate? Mm-hmm. 58% said no. Wow. So okay. it's it's cool. Don't watch it. We'll uh we'll watch it for you and we'll uh recap it in the morning. Recap it and play all the highlights tomorrow morning. There you go. Uh lastly on the DeSantis Newsom front, uh the LA Times, we won't have time to get into this article, but I'll just kinda give you the uh the highlights of it. The LA Times admits that Florida may have actually handled COVID better than California. Uh this is from Outkick where they say major media outlets inarguably played a substantial role in ensuring the that in ineffective COVID restrictions persisted well past any reasonable justification. The LA Times, the New York Times, the Atlantic, the Washington Post, and on and on and on uh, about how they placated to you know the, the science and Fauci. But the LA Times, as one example, recently published an article comparing California's COVID response to Florida's ahead of the upcoming debate. And while doing their best to defend Newsom and California's authoritarian overreach by ignoring inconvenient information information, promoting nonsensical studies, and reverting back to disproven assertions, they couldn't help but acknowledge that Florida may have actually done better with COVID than California. You can actually see if you're watching on YouTube, we put up the graphic from this long article, which shows you, I believe, the the death rate, uh, the adjusted death rate for age, California to Florida, because of course Florida has the retirement community and the 65 and older crowd, which we know was affected much more seriously from COVID than the younger demo. So if you want to take a look at that, that is up on the YouTube video. 855-839-1210. We will come back and we will get into this uh, ongoing uh, troubling situation. We thought it was bad in 2020. It's ramping up again in 2023, and we haven't even gotten to 2024 yet. What am I talking about, and what are the details? Well, you have to stick around to find out. But right now, let me tell you about the Piazza Auto Group, one of the many reasons I love working with this family, and that's what they are, they're family. They treat you like family, is the extensive inventory that they provide. 
Just about five and a half weeks ago, I stopped on out to Piazza Hyundai of Westchester on Route 202, and they wanted to show me the number one Motor Trend SUV of the year. And I was expecting to see a six or an eight cylinder, a gas guzzler. No, it was the 2024 Hyundai Ionic 5. It is a powerful, fully electric vehicle with 320 horsepower. That's right, 320 horsepower with a fully electric vehicle and a great charge range of 303 miles per battery charge. And you can take advantage of a complimentary home charger and up to a $600 installation credit today with a purchase or lease at Piazza Hyundai of Westchester. You can also check them out in Pottstown or shop uh, online at piazzaautogroup.com and tell them Nick Kale sent you. It's Kale and Company On Demand. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. Nick, Don, and Greg. Get us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us live on YouTube. What's on the cut sheet less than an hour away. Don will have some news to kick off hour number two. And also, just how obsessed is Jack Smith with Donald Trump and his Twitter feed? We will get to those details coming up as we kick off hour number two after the news. But uh, I did say that there's... Stuff going on again in 2023 uh, that we were probably expecting to have happen in 2024 that we know happened in 2020. And that is big tech once again re-focusing uh, their efforts of censorship uh, on Republican candidates. Yet Joe Biden seems to skate free and uh, do whatever the heck he does on Twitter, which I don't think it's actually Joe Biden using his Twitter feed. Uh, But this is a very interesting story from Fox News. As big tech companies have already censored every presidential candidate, that according to the Media Research Center. So President Biden's political opponents have been already been censored by big tech. A combined 162 Times. That is according to the Media Research Center, MRC's censortrack.org, and their researchers, Heather Moon and Gabriella Parasol, have conducted a study that found 169 cases of censorship against 2024 presidential hopefuls, with only seven of those instances being against Joe Biden himself. Now, this encompasses Google, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter slash X, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn. Quote, this year 2024 has yet to begin, but election interfering censorship is well underway as big tech companies have already censored every presidential candidate. That was from Moon and Parasol. Quote, from censoring candidates' campaign websites to fact checks to removing content and accounts altogether, Social media platforms have been hard at work interfering in the upcoming election and silencing the voices of those who seek to represent and lead the United States. Big tech censorship impacted the accounts of all 23 candidates that MRC has been tracking, regardless of party affiliation, but it has been particularly harmful to Biden's opponents. Any guess as to who is the most censored Republican in 2023 on social media, presidential primary candidate. Who do you think, take a guess right now, who is the number one censored person? Trump. No, surprisingly not. 
Vivek Ramaswamy oh, has been flagged more than anybody. <laughs> I was stunned to see this. Vivek was censored 18 times to top the list. He was censored multiple times by Google, uh, including the YouTube platform, as well as LinkedIn. Now, following Vivek leading the way at 18, RFK Jr., was censored 17 times. Vivek was censored more than RFK Jr.? That is correct. Wow. I mean, did you anybody see that coming? No. No. Oh, wait. I should put an asterisk by that. Trump is censored and silenced, you know, by the courts. That's, that's, that's correct. Sorry. Gag orders. He's got enough judges. <laughs> yeah, you got uh, Fanny Willis, and we've got uh, Chuck Ginn. And, Fanny. And uh, your boy, Engamora. Engamora. <laughs> They should get together for a Christmas card. They should. This is uh, send the Trump family their holiday on. card. Yes. So you got Vivek has been censored eighteen times. RFK seventeen times. Uh, Fifteen of them coming when he was a Democrat. Two after when he switched to become an independent. Nikki Haley has been censored fourteen times. And maybe the biggest shocker of all, after Nikki at fourteen, Larry Elder was flagged thirteen what? times. I don't think I've said his name 13 times on this show, <laughs> but he was flagged 13 times on social media wow. and the big tech companies. Donald Trump comes in in fifth place. Trump has been censored nine times. That that being said, it is worth noting he has created, obviously, his own platform with True Social. So he's not on a lot of these other platforms anymore, but somehow still managed to be flagged a total of nine times. Whereas Joe Biden was censored seven times, according to the study. Uh, now, here's the other thing in the MRC Media Research Center being fair about this. Uh, Elon Musk, Twitter and X, they have flagged Joe Biden. They go on to say in this article, while B- Biden's opponents were regularly censored, Elon Musk's X has clamped down on Biden. The MRC found that X, the pl- platform formerly known as Twitter, quote, tampered with presidential candidate messages through community notes. President Biden's content received 54 of these notes attached to his often wildly inaccurate posts, making him the most censored presidential candidate on the Twitter platform. So there you go. RFK and uh, Vivek Ramaswamy under attack by Big Tech, followed by Nikki Haley, the now uh, defunct Larry Elder, and your boy DJT coming in <laughs> at nine times. 855-839-1210. Speaking of Trump, what is Jack Smith's obsession with Donald Trump's Twitter account? We will get to that story as we continue. Don will have the news to kick off hour two. And we're back after this on Kale & Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Yeah, but it's time to talk about picturing yourself. You're on a hotel balcony, savoring the sunset beyond the Isle of Capri, sipping on that beautiful glass of red Italian wine. That's right, the Amalfi Coast, Positano, Sorrento, Capri. Capri. Can you picture yourself? Can you imagine this? Join me next spring. We're going to discover the wonderful sights in southern Italy. I can't wait for this, and especially because it's all planned thanks to our friends from Conservative Tours. So the Abbey of Monte Cassino, Pompeii, of course, we'll have plenty of time to see the great sights in Rome as well, all while enjoying a gastronomical event for 12, 12 incredible days of touring. So olive oil production, a mozzarella farm, wineries, tasting sessions, yeah. The group dining events they're known for are legendary. I'm talking iconic. Just ask my friends Dom and Ro Giordano. 5267, this includes nonstop airfare while supplies last. So you can call toll-free, 888-733-9494. You can go to conservativetours.com. 
conservativetours.com. Scroll down, you see my picture. Yes, my husband, Larry Menti. Of course, Lair Bear is going, and our teenage sons as well. And that toll-free number I mentioned I mentioned is on the conservativetours.com site. Let's do this. Southern Italy next spring, conservativetours.com. Tell them Dawn sent you. Start your day with Kale and Company. Weekday mornings, 6 till 10. On Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app.